So we are going to get started now for church. I'm Joe Collins. Welcome to See Me Church. Our mission is to love God and people one household at a time. We are a group of ordinary people who believe in the extraordinary message of Jesus Christ. No matter who you are or what your story, we're glad you're here. I want to thank Delano Stewart, lead evangelist of the Valley Christian Church in Las Vegas, for doing such a great job last week, reminding us of the, of, of the fact that the gospel is what unites us. So today I'm going to return to our series one-on-one -on -one with Jesus, but instead of looking at an interaction between Jesus and someone in the scriptures, I want to talk about my own personal one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. As always, the goal is to draw something relevant to our faith and life today. So I was uh, many of you know I'm good friends with uh, Daniel Jolliffe. He's the minister of the Church of Christ next door. And we were talking last week about how things are going with church in this unique time that we're in. And like us, they have started doing in-person church uh, outside like we have been doing in their, in their courtyard over there. And uh, he was telling me that last week, uh, after the service ended, uh, they forgot to turn off their live stream. And so after a few minutes, he started getting phone calls from members of the church telling him, hey, the live feed is still on. The live feed is still on. The funny thing is, is two weeks ago at our last in-person service, our last tailgate service, the same thing happened to me. For whatever reason, my computer froze and I couldn't turn off the live stream. And so the video and the audio was still playing as people were milling around and fellowshipping. And I too was getting calls from people telling me, hey, turn off the, the live feed. Now the difference was, is that Daniel's members actually called to thank him for leaving it on. They thought he did it on purpose. And they were so encouraged just to hear the fellowship going on. Now, he's got members of his church. They're, they're uh, uh, significantly older than many of us. And they truly have been shut in in this shutdown in their homes for the past five months. And so for them, just to hear the noise, the sound of church was so encouraging so I believe Daniel this week is planning on just leaving it open so that members at home can just sort of hear and experience church again. In our case, I don't know why they were asking me to turn it off. I think they might have been afraid I might say something inappropriate or they might hear something bad. I'm not sure. But, you know, we don't have as many older members. And I think most of our members at home are, are actually getting out from time to time, going to the store, even working or shopping or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I got to thinking about that conversation and I got to thinking about how important meeting together in person really is to our faith. Church really is something special. And being together in person, even if we have to space out somewhat, but just being together and, and having that physical experience of, of church is really, truly something important to our faith. Which brings me to the one-on-one -on -one that I want to talk about between me and Jesus. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to say a prayer and then we're going to read. Father, thank you so very much for bringing us together this morning for the chance to meet together as a church, to fellowship with you out in the outside, just like they did in Bible times. God, I pray that your spirit is with us today. Inspire us and help those at home to be connected to the fellowship this morning and to the message. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to start in verse 27. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, 
not the reality themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they have, would, would they have, otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an animal reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Now, as I've explained in, in past messages, baptism for repentance was a common practice in Israel in Jesus' day. But baptism for forgiveness was something reserved only for the Day of Atonement, when the high priest would offer animal sacrifices, and then he would be baptized on behalf of all the people for the forgiveness of the previous year's sins. Now, when, Jesus and John, when John the Baptist and Jesus came on the scene, though, they began preaching and practicing a baptism of repentance for forgiveness for anyone at any time. And in doing so, they basically nullified the reason and purpose of the Day of Atonement. Now, as this message took root and it began to spread, there was some explaining that needed to be done, especially to the Jewish Christians who had grown up cherishing and valuing the Day of Atonement. Because it was something that had been practiced in their culture and in their history for some 1,300 years, and it was enshrined in the law of Moses as something that needed to be done. Yet here's John the Baptist and Jesus saying, no, we don't necessarily need to do that anymore. Now it's about individuals at any time repenting of their sin and being baptized and receiving Forgiveness. So you could imagine to these Jewish Christians, that was something very hard for them to understand, to get their mind around. And that's why we have the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews wrote the book to help Jewish Christians understand and help explain to them some of the differences between the law of Moses and the new teachings of Jesus. Now here in Hebrews, in this section that I just read, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, the author says that the law of Moses was only a shadow of the good things that are coming. And then he goes on to explain that what the Day of Atonement couldn't do, in that it couldn't forgive sins once and for all, Jesus did in his sacrifice on the cross. Because his sacrifice, his body, was by far greater than any animal sacrifice. So we're going to skip down to verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance of faith that, bring, that, brings, that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with per water. So after the author of Hebrews starts there in, in the, at the end of chapter 9, beginning of chapter 10, he goes on in verses 5 through 18 to, to talk about the efficacy of Jesus' sacrifice. In other words, that it could do what Jesus claimed it would do, that it would forgive sins once and for all. Now, after that explanation, down in verse 19, he tells us that as a result of Jesus' sacrifice, we've had our sins forgiven. But not only that, we now as individual believers have access to something called the most holy place. 
And not only that, but we're actually encouraged as individual believers to go ahead and enter into the most holy place. Now, again, the, let, the, the letter is written to Jewish Christians. And for them, all of the, so many of the, many of the, the, the uh, rituals and rites that were established in the, in the law of Moses were, were very important. But Jesus seemed to be changing those things. He seemed to be doing something different with those things. One of those things that was very special and very significant to any Jew in Jesus's day was this idea of the most holy place. It was a room in the temple. It was the most sacred and holy room in all of the temple. It was a room where the presence of God resided. No one was allowed to enter that room for any reason except one person, the high priest, and, and, and only on one day, the Day of Atonement where he would offer animal sacrifices and he would be baptized for the forgiveness of his sins. And then he, he, only he on that day and in that way was the only person ever worthy to enter into that room only once a year. No average believer, no average Jew could even imagine what that would be like to do that, to have access to God the Father in such a unique and intimate and personal way. In fact, if the high priest tried to enter that room on any other time, in any other way, he would die. So you could imagine to the average Jew already wrestling, Jewish Christian already wrestling with this idea that sins can be forgiven once and for all in Jesus' name, that the Day of Atonement was no longer something they needed to, to honor or, 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 or participate in, you could imagine to them that it was even harder to comprehend the idea that they were allowed to go into the most holy place anytime they wanted to as just regular believers. Yet that's what the author of Hebrews is telling them. He's saying, look, because of Jesus' sacrifice, because it was so much greater than the sacrifice of animals, it had the ability, it, was, it, had, it had the power to forgive sins once and for all. And as a result... Now, any individual who had been baptized in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of their sins can now enter into the most holy place. They can have direct access and a personal relationship with God the Father. That was unimaginable to even a Jewish Christian in the first century. I mean, that was a concept that was hard to get their mind around. And that's why the book of Hebrews was written. But now... It's a reality. Now that Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross and now that he offered himself up in that way and now that he opened up the way for people to go to, to enter into to have their sins forgiven but through baptism in his name, they now could enter into a direct relationship with God. This brings me to verses 23 and 25 and the one-on-one -on -one that I want to, that I had with God that I want to share with Jesus that I want to share with you today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As I said before, the letter of Hebrews was written primarily, to, was addressed primarily to Jewish Christians who were facing not only the difficulties of internalizing these new teachings and these new practices, but did I mention that they were also facing social pressure from their fellow 
or their former faith community, other Jews who they once were in, 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 in partnership, they were once in, in unity and faith with, who, who now they became Christians and were baptized in Jesus' name. Now there was a divide. And these former, their former faith community was putting pressure on them to return to, the, to their original faith and to, to return to worshiping in the synagogue. But not only that, they were also facing political pressure from the Roman government that was persecuting these new Christians because Romans hated any new religions. They were okay if a religion was already there when they got there, but if a new religion popped up, they didn't like it and they always tried to stamp it out. So for three different reasons here, these Jewish Christians were in a tough situation. One, they were wrestling with these new ideas and these new teachings. The letter of Hebrews was written. But two, they were facing social and political pressure to go back to what they formerly believed. All of these things made it really hard for these Jewish Christians to even just attend church. It became very, very difficult just to get together and fellowship one, with one another. So aware of this, the author of Hebrews, concerned about these new Jewish Christians losing this newfound faith. And as a result, their newly established relationship with God he writes in verse 25, do not give up meeting together. Because as he saw it, their fellowship was essential, not only to their faith, but it was essential to their personal relationship with God. You know, we're not facing the exact same difficulties in gathering for church today that they were facing, that our Jewish brothers and sisters we're facing in the first century, but we are facing some difficult circumstances, aren't we? I mean, this whole shutdown has, 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 has gone on longer than any of us would imagine. The, the, the change to how we do life is so dramatic and so extreme, and there's really doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. You know, I think if we're not careful, we too can lose our faith. We too can lose this new found intimacy with God that we discovered when we were baptized in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of our sins. To be honest, I've experienced it in my own heart. Just the inconsistency and the difference in, in the rhythm of how we do things has really affected the way I feel. It's, 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 it's made me struggle in my heart. But you know, I also have seen it affecting the church. There are people who absolutely can come to a tailgate worship service, but they're not. I don't think that's a good idea long term. If you're in a high-risk situation and there, there are extenuating circumstances, listen, we want you to be safe, and I totally understand that. But not everybody's in that case. Many of us are at home on Sunday, but we're going out Monday through Saturday, living our lives, going to the store, going to work, meeting up with people. Why not come to church on Sunday morning when we can? We're meeting every other week. Why not make this a regular part of your schedule once again? It's amazing how much we've changed in just five months. 
So the one-on-one -on -one that I had with Jesus that, that I really felt like he put on my heart is this. Church really is essential. Coming together as believers for the purpose of worshiping God is an essential to my faith. And it's an essential to yours. And if you're at home, it's an essential to yours. You know, I first touched on this back in May, not long after the shutdown started. I talked about it in the one-on-ones between Jesus, Mary, and Martha. You might remember those. I just want to go back and review that for one second. John chapter 11, verse 32, it says this. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord. They replied, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb where, where, a cave, where it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there's a bad odor. He's been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So after meeting up with Mary and Martha outside of the village of Bethany, uh, Jesus spends some time mourning with them the loss of their brother. And by the way, Jesus's friend, Lazarus. And after a time of mourning, he asks to go see the tomb. And once there, he orders for the tomb to be opened. But Martha objects. She's worried because Lazarus has been there a time and it's, gonna, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. But that's when Jesus tells her, listen, didn't I tell you you would see the glory of God? So she consents, the tomb is opened, and Lazarus is raised from the dead. Now, if you remember, at that time, I kind of half-joked that one day soon, we would be able to reopen church. We would roll the stone away from the front of the building, and we would go in, and who knows, there might be a bad odor in there. The experience might not be what we expect right off the bat. I don't know. But I do know this, that when we come together in person for the purpose of worshiping God, we see the glory of God. The physical experience of coming together for worship is essential. It's essential to our faith. And to our intimacy, not only with each other, but with God. So here's my point. Don't give up meeting together. If you're able, as I said before, I want to ask you to start attending the tailgate services. They're every other week. We've got plenty of space here. We've got protocols for mask wearing and all the, all the social distancing rules apply. And we ask, start attending on a regular basis these every other week tailgate services. My second ask is for those of you who legitimately cannot attend, and, and there are many out there, I want to ask that you make attending online a priority. That it doesn't become optional, but that it is a priority for you to be a part of what we're doing here on Sunday mornings, even if you can't be here in person. I also 
want to ask everyone at home and here in person, every one of us, to participate in the fall semester of midweek and family group. We've made a decision that we're going to do midweeks all through the fall. Every other Wednesday, twice a month, I should say, on Wednesday night, we're going to do it on Zoom. And then afterwards, we're going to have breakout rooms, and you're going to be able to have time in your family group for discussion, for fellowship. Please make that a priority. And then if you're able, I also want to ask you to maintain some in-person fellowship. That could be individual, that could be in a small group, that could be a prayer walk, that could be a, a lunch, whatever it is. But be in a situation where you can physically see each other in some capacity throughout the week. It is essential that physical experience of being in each other's presence on a regular basis is essential to our faith. Even though we're dealing with different things than the Jew, Jewish brothers and sister Christians in the early in the first century, in, in some ways, we're dealing with kind of the same thing. We're being forced to separate. It's not because of our former churches or, or beliefs are calling us up and asking us to come back. It's not because there's Roman persecution, you know. It's not because of the same reasons. But with this whole COVID thing, it has become an issue. It's pushing us away. It's separating us. And we can't keep letting that happen. We've got to find ways. And these are ways. You can come and worship in the tailgate service. You can come every other week. You can be a part of the Zoom midweek service. And you can get together in small groups or individually, whatever the case may be. But we need to be in each other's presence. It's vital to our faith and to our relationship with God. One last thing that I've decided to do for the month of August is that I want to dedicate the entire month to us hearing from each other. So my plan is this. I'm going to share the pulpit. I'm going to share it with anyone who's a member of Simi Church who would like to share their own personal one-on-one -on -one with Jesus like I did today. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be involved. Or it could be if you want it to be. You could take one of my former messages. I, I emailed the whole church a list of all the former lessons. I've done 14 one-on-ones with Jesus. You can use those as a starting point or you can come up with your own. But the idea would be for you to sit down, think about what Jesus has been telling you, come up with a scripture, identify the scripture that, that he's using to speak to you in, and then share it. I'll give you time on Sunday because what I want to do is I want us to hear from each other more, at least throughout the month of August, because I really want to get this connection back, whether it's in person or online. My hope is that by the end of the month, whether you are able to join us in person or whether you can only, you're still forced to watch at home online, which is totally fine. My hope is that we'll all be a little more connected to one another and ultimately we'll be more connected to God, even in the midst of everything that's going on. You know, at Simi Church, we believe the Bible is the best source of truth in our world today. In it, we learn that Jesus is Lord, that he lived a sinless life, that he died and rose to life again. And it's in this belief that we do everything. 
We are a member-supported fellowship by people like me. You can give online at seeme.church or by texting keyword church to 77977. Too long, but now I've got nothing to hold on. 